How we feeling, fellas? Hey, what's up? It's The Drive. Tay and Piper, Derek Piper, Lante, Kyle Toss, ESPN Radio 93.5. Game day once again for the Illini. They've been on a, a stretch of two-day preps. I know that being at Elbin yesterday, I think it was 15 or 17 straight days yep. of not having a day off for the Illini and company. I, I know when you get to the next level, those that will play in the NBA, that's very commonplace. They but just take the day off, though. Yeah, right. Load management. <laughs> Set the fourth quarter. Ah, we'll just give up and lose this nah, game by 40 points. We're we'll good. Just, we're, we're all right. But the Atlanta back in action in Columbus tonight against a reeling Ohio State squad, one that's lost back-to-back games in five of their last six. I know that will sound somewhat familiar. Now, it was to a different degree last year when I think Ohio State had lost 10 of 11 when Illinois went wow. there. But they were Ohio State's get-right game last season. You hope that it's not the case this time around, as the Illini looking to hang in the Big Ten race, getting a chance at what is right now a quad one win, if you were to obtain it tonight. But I'll rephrase and re-ask, what do you guys think tonight? What's the vibes as we kick off this show? We'll talk a lot of Illinois, Ohio State. We'll hear from Brad Underwood, what he said yesterday to the media, but that's kind of where I want to start today. How are you guys feeling? I don't know why, but I'm always worried when we go to Ohio State. I think a lot of it is the atmosphere. It's a huge hockey arena, essentially. There's really never that many Ohio State fans there, which is odd. Now, if they're winning, obviously they come. But it'll just be kind of a weird feel. And for some reason, it seems like we're always playing them like on some weeknight game, which I, that's the stupid to say because you always play people on weeknights. But it's just like, I don't know. I'm always worried about playing Ohio State, and I have no idea why. Thornton went off last year, and it was kind of a gut punch for that team, but there were a lot of gut punches for that team. I don't the, – the good news for me is even though Illinois has kind of scuffled a bit lately, I still don't see this team losing a game like tonight. So that's kind of how I feel. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel like they're going to go out and just wipe Ohio State off the court, but I do think they'll get it done. Kyle? Yeah, I think I'm – pretty much with you there I, I'm a little uneasy about it just haven't seen how Illinois looked here since Terrence has come back knowing that he's not right also just looking at Ohio State they're just they're so much more talented than a team that's looked this horrible that you almost feel like especially one of these home games for them it it's bound to those two guards are bound to just have great games and it's just I don't know last year they just completely free falled for most of the year so maybe that's overthinking it but I just I feel like they're kind of due and I feel like if Illinois goes in there and isn't sharp all of a sudden you let them get hot and I it could get a little dicey but I I do think that Brad Underwood ha, is going to have these guys motivated after such a sleepy game on Saturday I, I I think they'll probably win but I'm a little uneasy about it now pipes I will say this Thornton did have 20 his last time he out. did yep so I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that happened not that a guy can't catch fire and get consistency and gain confidence by a game like that, and I certainly believe he can. He's a kid that really hasn't shot a lot from the three-point – shot well, excuse me, from the three-point line. Mm -hmm. Teams have done a good job making him drive, but he kind of likes that. You know, he's strong and he can get around you. I'd rather him hurt us with drives like that, I think, than, than hitting threes. But I'm kind of glad he got off a little bit, if you will, to where it's not like Kyle just said, like – Boy, Bruce Thornton has been struggling, but tonight he leads Ohio State with 34 as we play here in the second half. And it's like, ah, why? 
So I'm kind of glad that. Who's the one kid you wrote about him? The one kid that hardly does anything. Oh, but he uh, Evan Mahaffey. Yeah, now that kid is their engine. And I've seen them play a few times. And when he's going, when he's playing defense, when he's getting steals, which he leads them in steals, he's the guy that can really, especially at home, can kind of get that crowd involved. So, you know, he's one of those guys that almost at the end of the day, you're like, who was that and why did he have such an impact on a game? He's kind of that guy. So he scares me a little bit in Mm -hmm. the sense that he's pretty good defensively. He doesn't really worry about offense. But he's pretty good defensively, and he's one of those just effort guys. Like, Lucas Johnson was 10 times better offensively than this kid is right now. I'm not saying he couldn't develop, but he's kind of that Lucas guy who's going to bring the energy. He's going to get Ohio State going on some runs. He'll steal a ball here and there. He'll get a tough rebound. He'll get a good stop. So he worries me a little bit. But I think if those two things, I think if you can – just keep Thornton kind of going like he has. He'll get to double figures. You know he will. And then don't let Mahaffey have such a big impact on the game. I think those are two things I'm going to watch for tonight. Yeah, that's a good point. And you don't want to get out toughed on the road. And right. They're going to be hungry. Like Ohio State should mm-hmm. need needs this, really. Chris Holtman and probably a do-or-die year, currently not projected to be in the NCAA tournament. They've fallen off a cliff where they were, prob- they were pretty much – on a fast track to being like a top half Big Ten team, a, a squad that was top 40 in the metrics, and now they're in the 60 range and, and not even on like the first four out or even the next four right. out as I pull up Joe Lenardi right now, <laughs> a, a new bracketology out there. So Ohio State needs to get going down the stretch of this season to put them back in the picture of being a tournament team. Otherwise, that could be all she wrote for Chris Holtman because we back-to-back years without a tournament and – like Kyle said earlier, you would say it back-to-back seasons of they're more talented than this. Like their roster has talent. I know they're they're like a younger team. It's crazy right. when I'm writing the preview. I'm like sophomore, sophomore, <laughs> sophomore. When I'm writing out their starting lineup, I'm like, wow, no one does this anymore. No. But, uh, that's kind of what they're looking at. But uh, Bruce Thornton was a problem last year. We've talked about point guards giving Illinois some issues of late. One thing that is a little different between like Boo Booey and Jameer Young is you may not have to respect that outside jumper as much with Thornton. Maybe you can go under his screens. That was a good point. You read you wrote about that today. I thought it was a great point. Right. And until I, he hits the first one, yeah. and then it's like, uh oh. Which he can hit three. Sure. It's just twenty seven percent in Big Ten play. I think wow. he'll live with that early. Yes. And Ty Rogers, I think is a it's a better matchup for him than maybe a, a tiny speedy guard where a guy that wants to be physical with you and Ty obviously can handle that. Just don't want to get him in foul trouble. But uh, Thornton is, you know, in that mid-range. He can hit. And I think Illinois' ball screen coverage is going to be really important. Jamison Battle, we've seen what he's capable of. 31 points here last year in Champaign. And he's been super efficient for Ohio State. Now, one thing, falling under the category of hasn't been playing all that well recently, uh, that does apply to Jamison Battle. He had a season-low five points at Northwestern. Over the weekend, one for six from three, went one for eight from three at Michigan a few weeks ago. So a guy that leads the Big Ten in three-point shooting has been off of late. So could he get? Could he have a get right at home? He right. could. Now, Illinois traditionally or characteristically under Brad Underwood limits teams from beyond the arc. So I think that's something that you look at and say, okay, uh, they should be able to, based on their profile, limit him. But, of course, you're going to want to match up, whether that's Terrence or, or Marcus I think the the interesting 
choice between do you want Terrence on like Roddy Gale Jr., mm. who's been up and down yep. all season. He's had some explosive outings, but also some duds. Uh, or do you want him on battle, who we know can be one of the more dangerous shot makers out there. So Ohio State capable offensively. Defensively, they've given up quite a bit uh, in the Big Ten. They're, they're towards the bottom in the league in d- defensive metrics. So uh, it should be it should profile as a good game for Illinois on the offensive end. But this is a team that needs a little bit more flow and in sync and, and getting Terrence back is obviously a big part of that. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like tonight. The one thing that I'm impressed with Battle is he doesn't need much room to get that shot off. And early in the season, you're right, I think the very first Big Ten game, he came out, went like six for six from the three-point line and never looked back. I mean, until recently where that has struggled, maybe it's the means thing. Maybe he was way better than what he normally is early, and now he's kind of coming back to where he should be. He's a good player. We saw that at Minnesota. I didn't realize that he was that good of a shooter, that consistent of a shooter. To me, it's almost like DeMonte when all of a sudden he couldn't shoot one year and then the next year was just lights out. But Battle's a guy that I've been impressed with in terms of, I mean, he's not ultra quick. He's not ultra strong. Mm-hmm. But he's, he probably has like man strength, that kind of guy. But he, he's one of those that not necessarily digs himself deep inside to get buckets. He works kind of that perimeter. And he's not ultra quick because of his size, but yet – it only takes him a split second to get a shot off. And he's a lefty, so you know he can shoot well, it seems like. But he's, you worry about that. And, I mean, it could be as simple as watching these guys early in this game and seeing if Battle hits an early three, and then that kind of worries you. Same with Thornton. Like, does he come down and use that, you know, high ball screen to get around and get some easy buckets? He has six of the first ten. And then you start to worry about that as well. But when, when did the high ball screen come into basketball? When did that start where you brought the big man to the top of the key and then you work offense around it? Probably predates me, I would imagine. I, I just don't I don't remember that growing up. I just don't. And maybe I'm totally wrong. I just don't remember a, a big man a big man in my day never came out of the yeah, lane. True. Fair I mean enough. they they had to come out of the lane every three seconds. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, they never came up close to the three point line, if you will. And you know, obviously, they've done it a while. I'm not saying sure. it started three years ago, but, man, it's just it, – it's it's hard to guard. I hate watching it. I hate watching that kind of style of basketball, but obviously it is very impactful, especially when it's working. And when you have a guard like Jameer Young or someone like that that can really light you up coming off that. So the thing that you had written about as well is Coleman kind of showing a little bit more, being a little bit more aggressive – on that to to make sure that Thornton's not getting that easy 15-foot jump shot. So I think that's something that's important tonight because he can knock he can hit those daggers all day, and that can hurt. Right, yeah. I think Coleman just has the mobility to be able mm-hmm. to show a little bit more and come up on those ball screens. I feel like against Northwestern, we talked a lot about it. He played too deep in the drop coverage. Yes. And I just think that that is just ignoring or limiting – what he's able to do as far as coverage-wise. So uh, if you come up too far, could they throw lobs to Akpara? Yeah, they they obviously could. Although I think Illinois, if if you look at the way some teams defend ball screens, when you have a non-shooter out there like Mahaffey, you could – let's say Quincy's on Mm -hmm. Mahaffey. If Coleman shows extra on Thornton in the ball screen, then maybe Quincy can sag off into the paint to make sure that there's no – quick pass into Akpara and he's Fair able enough. to to get a dunk. So I think that's one way that you can can combat that. I just feel like 
Illinois needs to vary up their coverages a little bit more in ball screens going forward. And that's kind of more of a big picture thought of what teams could maybe look to exploit down the road in the in the NCAA tournament and whatnot. I feel like just some some unpredictability in what Coleman's going to do or just adjusting to what a certain team presents. Like if there's a really good guard who is going off on you, then maybe you want to just get the ball out of his hands. And I feel like with Coleman's mobility, he can blitz guys, double teams, make them give it up. I know Brad doesn't like having his guys play in rotations or scramble mode because he wants to stick on shooters. He doesn't want to have help here and then kick out wide open three. That's That goes against what their principles are defensively, but uh, I do think that that's something that I would look for because I think Coleman can cover up so much to where maybe you don't even need that help just to to kind of give the the guy with the ball in his hands coming off the, the pick that the thought that Coleman might might come at me or might get a hand in my face on this jump shot. So just that split second is enough time for a guy like Ty or Terrence or Justin Harmon to recover a little bit more to get back into position. That's a solid 15-minute breakdown on Ohio State. Now, how about Illinois? How are they going to get this offense rolling again, Pipes? And it is something that was stagnant against Indiana. Obviously, when you're missing shots, that hurts your offense. And, you you know, everything is great in the world when shots go. I mean, we understand that. Everything looks good. Your defense looks good. You want to play defense when you make a shot. Your transition looks good because you're making shots. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it with regards to that. I'd, I'd love to see Illinois get back to where they were in terms of just dominating people rebounding-wise. And Ohio State's not exactly a team that is bad on the boards. They're a pretty good rebounding team. And, and half of it is because they can't make anything. So they get a lot of <laughs> offensive rebounds, but they do play good enough defense. And I know I think they're one of the best in the Big Ten, if not the best, at guarding the three, which leads to obvious rebounds because so many people take threes. And Ohio State can – I mean, they're a team that's gotten up there in the 40s quite a bit this year in rebounds per game. So – I don't know if this is the team Illinois just goes out and absolutely dominates on the boards, but I'd like to see him win that battle against a good rebounding team in Ohio State. But offensively, you know, I, I, it all stems, right, with Shannon, getting him going, as you know, getting him looks and making sure that you said it the other day that he's playing downhill. It seems like he's come since he's come back, he's played uphill, right? Yeah, like nothing right. is – nothing seems easy. Nothing seems fluid. And when he's at his best, he's – taking the ball downhill where every time he's got it, somebody is in like defense mode because he's about ready to go around you or through you for a bucket and the, and the, and the foul. So I guess getting him going would be nice in, in terms of doing that. And, you know, this Illinois offense, again, I don't want him to be trigger happy, but if Damask and Coleman, I feel like Coleman really hasn't held back. I feel like I know Brad wasn't happy with the Indiana game that he could have taken a few more threes. But Gary A, I mean, I feel like with Gary A and Coleman, we know Goody's going to get a shot. I mean, if he if he gets an opening, it's going up. That's what he's out there to do. But with Damask and Gary A and Coleman, I hope they're not a little bit hesitant to fire away if they get a good open look because I'm fine with that. Now, if you get into the second half and you're – one for 15 from the three, and you haven't gotten anything in the lane, maybe you change your style a little bit. But I certainly don't mind if Coleman's pulling the trigger, Gary A, we know can shoot, and Damask. I'd like to see him get a little bit more confident from the outside because if you get him confident from the outside, that's only going to help his booty ball game, if you will, because you've got to 
you've got to threaten that. The kid from Penn State that was so good at it, now I can't think of Jaylen his name. Jalen Pickett. He could also hit a shot. He wasn't the best shooter, but he could knock a shot down. Oh, so yeah. you had to you had to honor that, and that's what made him a lot more effective with being able to then just dribble you down and get to the bucket. So yeah, no don't be hesitant. Yeah, Shoot. right. And I know that Brad, you'll hear it when we play it. I think he mentioned yesterday part of what he didn't like, like you said, against Indiana. And I asked him, how do you open up or how do you get Terrence back to the rim? Yeah. And he's like, we got to hit threes. We got to have uh-huh. that gravity on the outside. That's partially Terrence being able to get the jump shot going again. But also a guy like Coleman not turning down open looks, Quincy not turning down open looks. Those two guys in Big Ten play have been 35-plus percent from three. So they've been Take plus that. shooters. You'll You'll – Certainly live with that for sure. Now, uh, he mentioned like with this group, I'd, I'd be happy taking 63s. Of course, he says that jokingly, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, so watch tonight. They'll, they'll chuck 43s. Right. Now, you hope you, may, I, I don't want this team to, I think at times they've, they've settled too much from three. Other, at times against Indiana, they did. They, they maybe just agree within, within a possession, didn't go inside. And, and Terrence in particular, some of his hesitancy has been to shoot the, the jump shot instead of going downhill but uh last year in columbus actually they shot six for 29 from three felt mm. like they took way too many this is a different team though they're a better three-point shooting team than last year that who was one of the worst that we had seen and one of the worst in college basketball but i i do think that it is kind of the hand-in-hand nature of all right if how, how does terrence get going it's it's like all right he's gonna he's got to get downhill to open things up for other guys but then Guy's got to hit threes, including himself, to then make defense play you honest. Because recently, some of the formula has been defense is loading up in the paint. I know that's what Northwestern did and said, we'll, we'll dare you to have a night from three. Exactly. Uh, and there were times in that game, too, that Damash just showed hesitancy or, or Quincy maybe didn't want to shoot it as much. So there's a balance. You don't want to settle too much from the outside, but you do want to take in rhythm good looks from three. And the fact that Illinois with Quincy and Coleman, it'd be nice if Marcus, because we know he's a better shooter than what he's shown. Right. Like he's not a 24% three-point shooter. Now, on paper, that's exactly who he is this season. But prior to that, I think he was around 34 35% as a career guy at, at Southern. And someone that, as we thought about, wouldn't get maybe as much attention on him from the perimeter, and I, I know with how much Illinois is running through him this year, there's that, that's probably been a little bit different than as you thought in your mind. Like, okay, we're going to run stuff through Terrence. Mm-hmm. He'll be as a kind of a secondary thought as a spot-up guy, but with so much booty ball, there, he's definitely a focal point of Illinois' offense. But kind of it, it, it's, it's, it's both. It's not just three-point shooting. It's not just getting downhill. you got to have that balance. And, and really, I think for Illinois, you want that ball movement and flow to come back. Because when it's been booty ball sometimes, and I, I've said it a lot, some of it's by design. It's an isolation play. And if they're not going to double, you're going to back down, back down, back down. Sure. And then it's going to look stagnant, but that's kind of what they want as far as the matchup. If you're backing down someone that you feel comfortable with uh, in terms of a size mismatch. Now, I wonder tonight, if you get Bruce Thornton in a back down, is that a... He's six two, but yeah. he's two fifteen. He's Ex- built like a strong, like a power back that you're going to use in the goal line <laughs> Maurice situation. Down there. Yeah, right. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But also, just will Terrence play in ball screens? Or is that something that's got to be ironed out in practice with some time 
where you don't have games like between now and Sunday at home against Nebraska. Maybe that's where you you rep him and you get him more comfortable because right now Terrence isn't the same guy. So maybe you don't want him in those situations. But yeah, offensively, you need the flow to come back. Every game's important. We know that. Tonight is ultra important to me. It's ultra important. You're a team that's, what, 14 in the net. You're ranked 14th. More about the net, obviously, than the ranking. But it's nice to be ranked. It's nice to be up there. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a chance to get some rest a little bit before a home game against Nebraska. A team that right now, as we mentioned, they're one of the last four in on that, as forementioned, bracketology. Illinois, by the way, a three in that one. So this, to me, is just one of those games where I know it doesn't make up for losing at Maryland or losing Maryland at home, but it is a quad one that you pointed out, which shocked me. But what, they're like 68th in the net, Ohio State, I believe. So this would be a quad one win for now, which would be nice. And then again, you get a little bit of rest because Illinois had multiple games here and not many days off. And then all of a sudden, at least you get to go until Sunday with Nebraska. So you get maybe a day off in between. I'm not sure. But it, it just tonight is just one of those games where it's kind of – you're kind of at the end of this little stretch. Don't give it away. You know, just mm-hmm. don't give that away. It's, it, it's kind of like playing a horrible team in baseball and you've taken the first two of the series. And it's like we're playing at 1 o'clock today in game three of this, the, the, you know, the businessman special. Don't lose to this horrible team. Go ahead and get that win and get the sweep. I mean, for Illinois to get this done and then to really kind of get a little rest, refocus for Nebraska at home, and then kind of go from there. I, I think these next two games to me are pretty big for Illinois. Just get it done. That's, that's all you need to do. Nebraska's a good team, but they're not as good when they're on the road. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Ohio State is not a good team. A little bit better when they're at home. But just don't lose to Ohio State. Get it done tonight. Get it done Sunday. And I think Illinois will be, be in a good spot. For sure. I think that all things considered, you would be a little disappointed that, yeah, dropping the game in overtime at Northwestern when you had the last shot to win and then losing, of course, on your home floor against Maryland. But Ugh. if you would have said, all right, Terrence is going to miss six games, and that's, let's say, you go back to the – beginning of the season you don't even have the context of why but right. that does add right. to it of course with the the mental distraction not only no for doubt. him but his teammates so even give it add in he's going to be suspended six games and there'll be uh, a lot of outside noise about him and you'll if you win tonight you'll be seven and three through your first 10 big 10 games you'll you're a top 15 mm-hmm. team nationally you take that with big actually time. like you know a chance to come up for air after this game go home get a day off get ready for a home game against Nebraska, then have a week in between games. Oh, I forgot about that. As far as yeah. that, that one and then a road game at Michigan State, you would live with that, especially because Sunday in Madison, either Wisconsin's going to take their second loss in Big Ten play or Purdue will match you with three losses in the Big Ten by losing that game. So as long as Nebraska beats Wisconsin. Uh, maybe, yeah. They, ah, could, they could take their third loss. I like, the way, I like the way you think. So let's go, Huskers. If Illinois, to your point, holds serve, beats teams they should beat, you know, they're it's a slight they're a slight favorite tonight in Columbus, but they're a favorite and they're yeah. the better team for sure. It's just you factor in going on the road. If they do what they should do and beat Ohio State in their building and then come home and play Nebraska where Ken Palm says they'll be a ten point favorite against Nebraska on their home floor. You'd be seven and three with a win tonight, eight and three with a win this weekend, and like I said, those two 
at the top in Purdue and Wisconsin play each other. Someone's got to lose. Maybe Wisconsin drops one in Lincoln this week. And you're feeling pretty decent about mm-hmm. where you're at. I would love it. I honestly – and again, I don't know why, but it's, I think it's just because this game worries me tonight. So if you can take care of things tonight – I'm pretty confident you're going to beat Nebraska at home. I like the way Nebraska plays. They're a pretty good team. They are not necessarily your, you know, Nebraska of two or three years ago. I mean, they're a solid squad that has Williams, who is good on both ends, plays pretty good defense. We know Tominaga can or Tominaga can can get hot when he needs to. So, and then that ranked mast has been really good. I mean, it, he's the Bradley guy that transferred. And, you know, he talk about a guy that at the end of the night, he puts up, he puts up results. He's getting you uh, good scoring and good rebounding, and, and he's smart with the ball as well. So he's a guy that could do some fits with Coleman underneath playing that five. There's no doubt about it. Now, mm-hmm. Rink likes to play a little bit further out. I don't know why we're dissecting Nebraska now. We don't play him till Sunday. That's my fault. But I think Coleman could have an advantage there if Rink tries to take him He's not exactly a bruiser underneath mast. He's he can get around a little bit and shoot that little jumper. But yeah, just just get it done tonight and and get a good road win. You said yesterday that shocked me. They only won two road games last year in the Big Ten. Is I think right? it might have been or three. Three. It was Nebraska, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Wow. So they went three and seven on the road in Big Ten play. Didn't beat a NCAA tournament team on the road. How many? What's Let's see, of their two losses, or the three losses, it was at Northwestern. At Purdue. At Purdue, and of home course, against Maryland. home against Maryland. So, yep. just don't lose tonight. That's all I say. <laughs> don't lose to Ohio State tonight. That would be, to me, it'd be a tough loss to swallow. It would. If you want to weigh in, you can. 217-359-2255 on the U of I, Atlanta Lake text line. we got a few to get to on the other side of this break. I'll tell you why. Tell me why. Don't do that. No. Uh, Anyways. No. (laughs) I did have somebody text me last night, and they're like, I'm still singing the shadow song. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Where a, where a, where a shadow. See, but your voice sounds way better than whatever the hell I just did. Where Uh, a shadow be. But anyways, Value City Arena has been a house of horrors for Illinois Mm. through the years. Now, they've won a couple here of late, but I'll tell you why this has been a tough place to play and just how tough it has been for the Illini in the last 20 or so years, even predating Kyle, who I'll bring up a game that he wasn't even alive for. Mm. Uh, Anyways, stick around for that. And uh, not anymore my singing. If you already turned the channel, I understand. (laughs) But uh, we'll be back once again, 217-359-2255 on the U of I Illini Link text line. This is The Drive. I'm Justin Ike, co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. So, Justin, tell me what you see as typical when it comes to sewer repair. Give me a scenario. Your sewer's backed up, and somebody comes along and says, you need this repair for X amount of dollars. Here's my price. And you don't think to go looking for another company or a second opinion because you don't feel like you have time. So is it possible that you might get charged a little more because it's kind of a desperate moment? Do some companies do that? Oh, absolutely they will. They know you're in a pinch. Typically, if you call us, me or Will can be out there within an hour to look at that problem for you. Whether you call me first or you call me second, make sure you give me a call. Anything else, Justin? You can always trust Fred's. Great to know. Thank you. 
That's Justin Ike, the co-owner of Fred's Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning, Electric, and Underground. If you want more information about this great 45-year family-owned company, just go to fredscu.com. That's fredscu.com. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. PDR Automotive has now been serving the Champaign-Urbana area for over 50 years. To give you some perspective, 50 years ago ended the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, and it was when Secretariat won the Triple Crown. So what does that mean for you and your vehicle? Whether you need a carburetor overhauled or your new vehicle computer system diagnosed or programmed, PDR Automotive has the experienced, knowledgeable staff that can handle all your automotive needs. Online at PDRauto.com, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are... PDR. Get ready for the 8th Annual Champaign-Urbana Area Restaurant Week. Over nine days, we will eat our hearts out at local restaurants that span the world. Make your reservations early or get out anytime during a restaurant's open hours from January 26th through February 3rd. Don't forget to share your pictures and experience with hashtag CURestaurantWeek for a chance to win a $100 gift card to your Champaign-Urbana Area Restaurant of Choice. For more information on this exciting upcoming event, visit experiencecu.org. We would like to invite you to the St. Joseph Ogden FFA Charity Auction on February 10th at the St. Joseph Ogden High School. Dinner will be served at 5, followed by the live and silent auction. There are no tickets needed to attend, and anyone from the community is welcome. Items to be auctioned include 45 bags of seed corn, various Milwaukee power tools, Toro mower, custom-made fire pits, cardinal tickets, and various certificates for local businesses. For more details about the auction, check out our Facebook page at St. Joseph Ogden FFA. Hi, I'm JT Barnhart, the president of OSF Heart of Mary Medical Center. Really want to promote our emergency room services at Heart of Mary. Uh, Getting ready to do a campaign just to show the community what a great service that is. When you're in a health emergency and you need care, our team at Heart of Mary will take great care of you and we'll get you in and out. Our wait times are usually less than 10 minutes. Door to provider times have run under 15 minutes and so you're going to see a physician in less than 20 minutes when you come to Heart of Mary ER. Think that a sensational service for the community. One other area I want to promote is that OSF Heart of Mary is in network with your health insurance provider. We take all insurances, everything that is in the community, all payers, our providers, our hospital, our ancillary departments, our new surgery center, and our urgent cares accept your insurance. And so if you're having trouble getting in with a provider, know that OSF can see you timely, quickly, and we take your plan. Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window. And whatever your project, you can count on Kramer Siding to offer you the best products backed by the best warranties in the business, as well as Central Illinois employees dedicated to providing you with professional installation and a lifetime of great customer service. And right now, you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks, get 15% off gutter helmet, and you can save 25% on preservation siding, windows, and doors. So call today or visit us at kramersiding.com and let's get started on your project. Beautiful changes happen every day at Merle Norman. Whether you have a special event coming up or you're just in the mood for something new, you'll love Merle Norman's makeup service. 
Merle Norman has skincare treatment for radiant skin. Ask Marilyn about the special free gifts with purchase. Schedule your appointment at 217-359-8100. Experience the power of a Merle Norman makeover today. Available at 706 West Market View Drive. Tennessee's putting money in McDonald's bags. That was illegal. <laughs> a lot of level one violations for that. And Is now it always a McDonald's bag. They've messed. I don't know if it was always. I'd appreciate it if it was. <laughs> hey, they got free nuggets the other night. Yeah, they did. That's so funny that that that's classic. How they get so fired up. It's for a that. brilliant idea to get the fan base involved. You got to be there. You got to have a ticket, right? think so okay i would assume not well you gotta they give you a code oh they announce over the the pa that here's the code text that to get your i guess you could send it to your buddies if you wanted to well that's true or if you were at home watching tv and you could hear the code or listening to the radio and you could hear him say the code someone out there has created five phone lines (laughs) so they can text their other phones the code and then go through the drive-thru multiple times Nuggets everywhere. I don't think the financials line up on that, but I think it's funny. I'm trying to figure out this Tennessee thing because I asked you at the break, how do you get in trouble with NIL? Like, I don't know how you – here's the last paragraph. It is intellectually dishonest for the NCAA staff, which would be Tennessee, to issue guidelines that say a third-party collective slash business may meet with prospective student-athletes, discuss NIL – even enter into a contract. So, in other words, they have a group kind of like Illinois has, what, the Icon, the Guardians? Uh-huh, yep. So – Icon now. Or Icon, I'm sorry. The, uh, thanks for Illinois. It sounds as though maybe Tennessee was pushing their group, which is like the spry something group, into basically saying, here's what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, like, so Brad Underwood can't go to Icon – and say, we are trying to get Jeremiah Fears. Correct. So can you please offer him at least a half a million? Correct. They, they can't do that, correct? They can't do that. Or he can't do that to them. Now, Icon can go to Fears, right, and say, yeah. if you come here, we can make sure that you're getting maybe a half a million of NIL. I mean, is that how it works? I don't even know yeah, how it works. Yeah, it's super murky. Like, you're not supposed to... With the NIL, like Icon's not supposed to go to donors and say, we need this money for this player. Got it. And the, the staff, Brad Underwood, Brett Bielema, anybody involved with the programs, isn't supposed to then go to Icon and say the same thing. Like, let's drum up this much money for this player or to talk to a, a player and say, and enter into a contract, so to speak. So come to our team we'll give you a hundred million dollars in nil which we're gonna 
we're going to personally be involved in drumming up for you. Got it. Which is all, it's all dumb because it's right. happening. Like all of this is happening and agents are very much involved. Mm-hmm. And again, like I'm not saying that every head coach is in direct line with their collective and right. making those efforts happen. But why wouldn't you have conversations about what you'd need for a certain recruit? And I think that, I don't know. It, it just feels that like is this weird. stuff is happening a lot. Because I would want to know, if I were Icon and Illinois is recruiting, let's take last year, Merez Johnson and Jace Butler. Sure. So as someone that's fairly smart, I don't ever claim to be too smart, I'm going to understand that Merez is the bigger fish. Mm-hmm. Nothing against Jace. I'm looking at who's recruiting him compared to who would probably want Merez Johnson, right? So I can make the understanding as the icon guy of saying, well, we probably need to push more money towards Merez than we need to Jace. But I don't need Brad Underwood to tell me that, right? I don't need or anybody on the staff to say, hey, wink, wink, Merez seems like a really good guy to have, you know? (laughs) So, but, but yet... If it were two guys, let's say Jeremiah Fears and I don't know who another guy we're recruiting right now out there that is is also, let's say two four-star guys. Yep. I also then, you know, how do I know which one Brad really wants? And uh, according to what I think, like Brad can't come to me and say, well, we'd be nice to have this guy, but boy, Fears would be really good in our backcourt. So I, I don't know. That's where it's, it, it gets kind of confusing to me a little bit. Right. And that, it really applies a lot, especially for Illinois recently in transfer portal additions on the basketball side. Oh, like good a guy point. Like Terrence Shannon. Yep. Go out there and get Matthew Meyer. And there are, of course, conversations about what it would take to satisfy these guys' wants to make a living and earn, sure. get their most market potential. And I think as the NCAA wrote these NIL rules or as they conceptualized it, they're like, okay, these guys obviously have their own brands, that being players who uh, have their own appeal, can sell their own gear, can sign autographs, make appearances. But as we've talked about a number of times before, the the biggest driver of the NIL money, as far as the big money that's going to like a guy like Terrence or go pick a different place and their star player, their star addition in the portal or their star addition – in, in recruiting, if that was used as far as NIL goes, is like boosters coming together to pool up a, an, enough money to make it happen. It's not that they're going to get their – it's not because he's got 50,000 Instagram followers. They're like, oh, you know, we could put our product on there and it'll go through the through the roof. Exactly. It's just they want to be involved in getting these guys. So uh, That guy, Scott Clarks, was Spider-Man. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Toby Maguire will come in our car commercial. Right. Like, no, that's not happening. It's not. So, I don't know. I don't know what Tennessee did. They obviously could have been shown to have had these conversations. And I need to read through this this article. It doesn't that, really give you much of what they did. Just a bunch of jargon. Yeah. It says the case is fundamentally tied to football. But the Spire, with a Y, S-P-Y-R-E, sports group, sponsors athletes and other sports. But yet, if I give to Icon, let's say, I can say, I want this going to Illini Baseball. Sure. Yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. 
It seems like I did I think, that. You, yeah. I, I'm not saying I gave to Illinois baseball, although Dan Hartlib, come on. Um, but I, I was thinking that I remember that it, it, it showed to where, or in other words, it could, you know, do you want to just give to where then let them basically make the decision to dole out where the money goes, mm-hmm. or do you want it to specifically go to a certain thing? I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I need to donate again so I can see how exactly it works because that was a while ago, it seemed like. Right. Hell, you could do it at uh, getting beer at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, you can get Icon beer. I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's any good. I, I don't either. But also, yeah, like, don't they have now a sponsor? Yeah, I could, beer? instead of like, you could, it almost like you were given a tip, I thought. Oh, there's that. Yeah. 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 That's, don't they yeah. even actually have a, a beer? Or is that oh, not maybe in they Illinois? Do. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But I, I was in the same at Memorial Stadium where instead of, would you like to make a tip? Although I think that probably came up on the screen next. Yeah. Uh, would you like to donate to Icon? Because I, jo- I joked with the person behind the counter. I'm like, well, I mean, I can either tip you or I can tip, you know, and we were kind of laughing about that. But, yeah, I mean, you you know, you get me on a good day at Memorial Stadium and yeah, Icon's going to make some cash. It's, it's a good idea. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, I agree. I agree. Every dollar counts in this. So It's just interesting, and this goes down a completely separate rabbit hole, but when this gets opened up to – like a a salary cap or when sure, it's man. it's the DIA's money or the NCAA's money that is getting doled out to players it's probably going to be on top of NIL maybe that then balances itself out you don't ask as much from the boosters but don't get me wrong you're always going to be trying to hunt down an advantage if you're a certain program where how much how can we get ourselves in position to pay more than other schools so yes. we can get said recruit or said transfer or what have you or keep uh, a guy in a fringe NBA or NFL draft decision at school for another year when maybe they wouldn't otherwise. So the earning potential is only going to go up once that pocketbook gets open because it's going to happen in terms of revenue sharing or what have you. I just, I'll be interested in how that gets doled out. Will it be we then decide who to give the most money to? Are we going to treat it like yeah. A, a payroll in a professional league where Terrence Shannon's going to get the most and walk on or say Nico Moretti or Hansberry or Gibbs Lawhorn will get the least. Percentage, yeah. Or is it just going to say, okay, we make this much in TV or make this much in ticket sales, so we'll give every scholarship player this much of a bonus. Mm. You'd like, have you'd have a lot of scholarship athletes wanting that. In a lot of different sports. <laughs> you'd have the, the, the top of the – top of the thing there would you know if i'm terrence shannon i'm not going to be happy with the idea yeah, that oh. nico moretti is making as much as i am you both got 400 bucks <laughs> i take 400 and free bucks. nuggets and yeah. by the way like i lean on kyle for things like this like i feel like kyle should bring his game to the show where he says well here's how it works with the nuggets kyle you're not stepping up so beth had to text in and say, actually, I think they just load the free nuggets in the app and anyone could take advantage of it because a Eastern offer showed up in my oh, app one day. Nice. So if EIU does this, like, is, does she mean Eastern Illinois? I think so, yeah. Okay. Problem is, is I just don't care about the nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm probably lame for that, but we the problem is, out- is that especially like when it's like <laughs> crucial free throws down the stretch and it's like, 
get ready. We got free nuggets yeah, on the like, line. I'm like, I care about if this goes in, we might lose the game. I, I'm not worried about nuggets <laughs> right now. You keep your priorities right where they are. I like that. I can remember when my... Hey, when, there's other people that want the nuggets. So when, when Lucas, like... Lucas is like... My oldest is like really... He's shrewd when it comes to money, right? So when he was at Arizona State, like he said, Dad, I've got it figured out. There's seven items on the on the dollar menu at McDonald's or something. Like he had it figured out like I can go for four dollars and eighty-five cents and and get this much food. I'm like oh my God. Wow. Okay. Dude, I remember we had a McDonald's at SIU in the rec center, and you're usually always passing through the rec on your way. It's kind of like the Kind of like Central Station, right? And then you can branch off either direction to go to another, either to your dorm or your apartment or back to a different building. I can remember, I've always gotten my entire life two cheeseburgers plain, fries, and a Coke, right? That used to be $2.89 when I was in college. Wow. two eighty nine. I would take $3 every day. Not every day. I didn't eat it every day. But I would have $3 in my backpack, and I could get, that meal, which filled me up at the time, mm-hmm. and it still, I guess, does kind of, except I'm hungry. I'm hungry like an hour later now. <laughs> but, but it's like now that's like 10 bucks uh-huh. to do that. No and it's doubt. like, holy crap, I'm either that old or we're going in the wrong direction in a hurry. That's expensive. But man. I think I am that old. I don't know. That was 92. So that's, oh boy. Don't even do the math. Let's just move on. Let's move on. 34 <laughs> uh, years. Woo. Before we'll, we'll catch one more break, but on the note of just kind of, a hodgepodge of, of different things. The pick and roll offense. I yes. went into the old Google machine and told Ooh. me that the Utah Jazz, which that was going to be my first recollection. <laughs> I didn't want to be that guy, though, who didn't have the foresight of like, no, actually in the 70s, right. Pistol Pete was running the old pick and roll yeah. to perfection. And I'm like, yeah, you know, John Stockton and Carl Malone invented it. But it, it did. Multiple sources comes up and says that it was really – Prominent in the well, 90s in the NBA, most notably John Stockton, Carl Malone. Yep, and we're a copycat thing, especially in college. You know, we're always copycat. Like the kids themselves are always copycatting, if that's a word, the NBA guys, it seems like, with what they do. So, no, that makes sense to me. Like the 90s makes sense. I know Bill said that it's always been like that where the big man came up and set a screen. I, I don't recall that. I mean, I, I, we had big men back in the day that just got your, you know, basically pinned their guy – underneath the bucket essentially and you either received a pass from the point guard at the top or closer to the wing or the wing himself dishing the ball inside with a bounce pass that every coach in America wants you to do instead of just trying to throw it over their head so I but yeah in the 90s makes sense to me because nobody did it better than Stockton and Malone those guys man were they good that had to have been so frustrating to play especially if it's new like you know just to not that it's – I'm sure they've done it in the past, right? right Bob yeah. Cousy was maybe doing it with Robert pa- – or not Robert Parrish, but with uh, – oh, my gosh, I'm forgetting the big man for the Celtics. But anyway, you know, it's one of those where Stockton and Malone – Yeah, Bill Russell, yeah. thank you. Stockton and Malone really, really put that together, and teams were probably like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to stop it. And that's why Carl Malone is like, what, third all-time scoring or something? And we know how good Stockton was as well. So it's too bad those guys never got a title. And it's your fault. It's not my fault. It's my the, guy's fault. It's the Bulls' Jordan, fault. The Bulls era. Yeah. I always like the best of the best deserve a title. Yeah. You know? I get it. 
I've always said all that the great him. players that Jordan prevented from getting titles. Right. Charles era. Barkley never Barkley's got one. Definitely one of those. Mm, that's yeah. There's a lot of good with Larry Fitzgerald. Ewing never, never got, got one. one. Ewing never got one. Yeah. Johnny Starks. Boy, they had some battles. They did. They. Had, I mean, you had to. You had to really appreciate and respect John Starks. Because as good as Jordan was, Starks was a guy that said, you know what, I know he's the best, but I'm going to go out there and he's going to have to bring his best to beat us. Because Starks just battled him. And Jordan normally got the best of him. But I always appreciated John Starks, what he brought to the court. Starks battled him. Reggie Miller battled him. Oh. Did Reggie get a title? No. No. Man, could he shoot. And they took them... I think they pushed them more than any more than other anybody. team, especially in that final year. It, was, it went to game seven. Yes. I think Reggie had a game winner. Was it in game six? Seems or, like it. Or Where game he just five. stood, he just kind of stood at the three point line or whatever that was. I can picture it kind of. Need in my to go mind. back and watch Last Dance again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, Reggie Miller could shoot. And it was unorthodox, kind of. It was perfect at the release. But, you know, the way he shot was kind of a little bit of a. He was a skinny dude, though, that could just shoot from anywhere and quick. Just boom, boom. He was fun to watch. Reggie Miller was fun to watch. He could get a little bit under your skin, too. I would say so. <laughs> Him and uh, what's his name? Yeah. Spike Lee. Spike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spike. Okay, Bill, he was saying that it was, uh, I was saying that the, that was for the high post style offense, which has been around forever. When you had a big that could handle it, he would screen high and set up. Yeah, makes sense. Guy that could get up there and shoot that little uh, jumper from the free throw line. That makes sense. No doubt. I did say we're going to catch a break and come back. I'm just going to push it now. Who? This is on air producing. I did say we're going to catch a break and then come back, but oh. no, we're not. We're just going to keep going. But Sorry, I'll, Kyle. I do want to give you uh, like one more thing on that note when you said it's the Bulls' fault for not letting that guy get a title. <laughs> so that's where I, I try to like – that, there's a little voice in the back of my head where I'm like, man, I'm sick of the Chiefs. Or LeBron's in the finals every year. <laughs> or I was, I always liked Steph Curry and the Warriors, but people were like, I don't want to see the Warriors again. Right. It's, so, it's too old. We've seen it before. I'm like, how many people were saying that oh. with Jordan back in the 90s? Oh. Even though that's the team I glorify and, and whatnot. But it's horrible. When, it, when you're on the other side of it, it's, it's quite different. I've always said that it kind of ruined the NBA for me. And, and take that right. I loved Michael Jordan, and well, no, let me start over. I was, I'm a Sixers fan, but I always – I mean, you had to appreciate greatness, right? And you were seeing the greatest in my mind. So I loved every second that I would watch him and marveled at everything he did, and those Bulls teams were so good. They always had just, you know, Bill Winnington. I mean, even him would have big games when they needed it, and John Paxson and on and on down the list, but – they became so dominant that I became disinterested more and more in the NBA because it was almost like, well, I wonder who's going to win the it's title this year. Yeah, yeah and, and it's true. And I've always said that about – now, women's basketball, I – growing up, like when I was at SIU, I did the play-by-play for SIU women's basketball. I always kind of followed the women's game, not as much as the men, never have, but I followed it with Cheryl Miller and, and you know, players like that. But – when UConn became – well, when Tennessee and then UConn became just – it was either going to be one of those two teams, then it was like, well, what's the point of watching? Like, UConn would get to the championship game and win by 25, and mm-hmm. it's like that shouldn't happen in any sport. 
Like, that should never happen, but it does. I mean, there's been Super Bowls that have been extremely lopsided, sure. you yeah. know, 45 to 6, 9, whatever, but it just shouldn't happen that way. There shouldn't be sweeps like in 04 when the Red Sox swept the Cardinals. There should not be that kind of stuff because if you're telling me the two best teams are meeting, which yeah. we know isn't always the case because it might be in 04, may have been the Yankees and the Red Sox were the two best teams, clearly, but yet – one of them had to lose to get to the championship. So, and one was down 3-0 and then came back. That is correct. Wow. What a run by the Red Sox. Crazy. Is that one of the best runs a team has ever had in the history of sports? Reeling off eight straight. Yeah. Down 3-0, come back, win, and then sweep a World Went Series. Eight straight to win the ALCS against your hated rival and then beating probably the most iconic National League team. It, at least in terms of World Series titles, yeah, in four as well. And the year that the Cardinals had three MVP candidates, gee, money, yeah, the big three, the MVP, MV three, they called it, That's right? right, on ESPN magazine. And there I was in Game Four when Jason Marquis, I'm like, let's get one tonight, <laughs> let's get one. First pitch, Johnny Damon or whatever, maybe not first. Damon hits a home run, and I'm like, dang it, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of we're done, we're done with this. Segment we are done. Pals are kill me. We got to catch a break. I will bring up the uh, historic stats as far as Illinois and Columbus when we return. This is the drive. Illini fans, gear up to support your Fighting Illini men's and women's basketball team this year at the official fan store of the Fighting Illini Game Day Spirit. From buy one, get one free basketball t-shirts to official NIL merchandise, Game Day Spirit has everything you need to support your Fighting Illini. Shop with them in store at the corner of Neal and Kirby in Champaign, 6th and Green in Campus Town, or online 24-7 at gamedayspirit.com. Game Day Spirit, where Illini fans shop. 